Welcome to Around the Diamond, Ottawa's source for baseball talk. This is Shortstop Junior Rojo with the Rockland Boulders. This is your boy Reggie Abercrombie. Hey, this is your boy Coop. This is Josh Wood. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. This is Quebec Capital's third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine. Hey, this is Ottawa Champion second baseman Albert Cartwright all the way from the Bahamas. You're listening to Around the Diamond with my man Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Profiling players' careers and their life outside of baseball. Now, here's your host, Diamond Dante. Seb high and deep to right, and that's out Cartwright, and that's a walk-off single. Albert Cartwright wins the ballgame. Mastro Berti comes in to score. Duarte up the middle, and that's the ballgame. Wilson, the one-two, big cut, and he struck him out. Wilson back-to-back strikeouts on a slider in the dirt. Tissenbaum swings at that one. And your co-host. Chambers flying into third with a triple. Chambers is back. He looks up and it's off the top of the wall. Fires it back into second base. And they got him. Chambers slaps it the other way. Louis Cardinals World Series champion Adron Chambers. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Welcome to episode 40 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. I am your host, Diamond Dante. To my right is a man who's been on uh, quite quite a bit of a hiatus. It's Michael Nellis here with us joining... Uh, how long how long's it been? Uh, it's been since uh, since August. Yeah. Wow. Quite, I've done uh, quite a few shows by myself. We've had Adron Chambers as yep. our co-host uh, on Around the Diamond. Now, Michael... The first around the diamond. This is episode forty, so it's a yep. pretty big one. We'll have Hal Lanier and a thirty, or sorry, forty-year-old rookie Brian Hoover later in the show. Yeah, don't sell Brian out short. No, he's he had a lot to say. <laughs> Talked about uh, what he did before joining professional baseball and playing yep. in the Empire League as well. Uh, Hal Lanier talks a little bit about later on in the show. Uh, after this segment, we'll have him on to talk about. Uh, the champion season, why he decided to come back, which was a, a big reason to that was as he talked about the players. Uh-huh. And uh, why wouldn't you if you're Halloneer after the season that just was? Of course, there was some speculation that he wasn't going to come back because, well, if you're going to retire, you may as well retire after winning a Can-Am League championship. And for Halloneer, he's done everything he's needed to do in baseball. It's just a question of, is he ready to give it up? And clearly, he he's not. No, he wasn't ready to give it up. And he talks a little bit about um, some players that he's going to be trying to sign after Christmas. It looks like uh, he didn't see anyone in the uh, in the Vero Beach Winter League, or sorry, in the uh, uh, South Florida South Florida Fall League as well, and in the Winter League. He didn't see anything there, so he is looking to sign uh, some key players back. As he talks about Andrew Cooper, he looks to sign Tyler Wilson, Michael Mastroberti, another guy, Adron Chambers. He also wants to re-sign, who will be uh, rejoining us next week to talk with uh, good guests Art Charles and Tyler Wilson uh, next week. And Tyler Wilson, 
uh, who will be joining us next week, will also talk about uh, coming back to the champions, how he wants to come back as well. Yeah, there's that. And then Art Charles, I'm really looking forward to hearing that interview because he was recently picked in the Rule 5 draft at the MLB Winter Meetings by the Milwaukee Brewers. So he's got a chance to crack a major league lineup next year. And he'll be on the 40-man roster. He'll Absolutely. Mo- most likely for sure be in AAA. And... Uh, and with Charles's case, his brother—it's just a, a really good thing for their family. Uh, Charles's brother had just signed with a Div One college for football, so he's okay. a, he's looking to play some football there, and will actually play against a, a hometown-grown Neville Gallimore, who I went to school with in high school, and is playing for um, Oklahoma City in uh, the NCAA. Give one college. Wouldn't it be great if we had special athletic talents and we could just go to the United States like that? Go to the NCAA. Well, he go did. to. <laughs> I mean, it, no, no, that's what I'm saying, yeah, right? Like, good a, for him and it's good for. It's a little for, bit different. Absolutely. And so later after that, we'll talk with uh, Brian Hoover, who uh, made his professional appearance uh, last year in the Empire League 2015. Yeah. Played with Miles Moeller, who uh, was with the champions earlier this season. So. That's right. He knows Miles Moeller. He knows Billy Horn from the Champions. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a, a lot of connections there that uh, uh, that you know baseball just brings kind of it, it just brings people together. And you're going to see those stories happen more and more often uh, as as these players get to more and more places. I'm sure Brian Hoover will cross paths with other champions, and I'm sure me and you. Uh, we'll cross paths with these people, too. I hope so. Hope yeah. to, to cross paths with Brian Hoover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last week, since we had a, a special feature interview with uh, Edwin Jackson of the, well, was with the Padres. I just looked up. He uh, he actually got released by the San Diego Padres, but played in the big leagues for 10-plus uh, uh, seasons and was a really good interview. Won a World Series through a no-hitter. You can go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, as we're actually now on iTunes. Now on iTunes, you can search us up. Uh, on iTunes, around the diamond in the search bar over in the podcast section, which is always nice. Got to do that right now. You can now <laughs> listen to Around the Diamond on the bus, uh, in the car, wherever you want to listen to your uh, your podcasts from your phone. You can do it now that Around the Diamond is on iTunes. Of course, uh, you could do it before with SoundCloud on the SoundCloud app. If you haven't downloaded that, you could still do that. But uh, having it on iTunes, all the more convenient and just part of uh, how, Dante, you have made this show grow uh, into something bigger and bigger every single uh, every single episode. Hey, thanks a lot. And it's funny, uh, Our this is episode 40, our first episode. Yep. I remember recording with you on a Sunday afternoon. That show aired on March 5th. We did an interview with Hal Lanier. Yep. Sebastian Boucher was on that show. And what a better way to start off the 40th episode of Around the Diamond it doesn't get any better to bring back the man that we started this show off with. Yeah, with Hal Lanier, uh, manager of the year in the Can-Am League. Since March of last year, Hal Lanier has done a lot of different things and a lot of things to pad his already impressive resume in baseball. Of course, uh, the manager of the year award that I just mentioned, another Can-Am League championship. Uh, he already has one from 2008 in the Sussex Skyhawks when he managed uh, there at uh, Skylands Park, what it then was Skylands Park, now it's Sky, uh, Skyland Stadium, pardon me, and uh, 
I think Hal Lanier is a guy that uh, as long as he wants to be in baseball, he will be in baseball because there's always going to be a place for him specifically in Ottawa. Now, after last year, there's always going to be a place for him in Ottawa, but there's going to be a place for him regardless of where he goes. He can go to any independent league. Absolutely. He knows so many people and he knows so much about the game. I think Steve Lloyd of TSN 1200, when he had Hal Lanier on his show last week, he said it well. He said that he is a walking, talking encyclopedia of baseball. Oh, he knows everything. Yeah. Hal Lanier knows everything. But just to move on from that, because we still do have a lot to talk about with Hal Lanier later on in the show. A full any baseball hour, uh, talking Ottawa Champions baseball, and yep. also doing a really nice feature story on Brian Hoover, uh, <clears throat> who did his first radio interview with us. And always nice uh, to touch base with him. But there was a few trades at the winter meetings uh, that had happened. The Jays were didn't manage to sign Edwin Encarnacion or Jose Bautista. Uh, the the right-handed bat first base market is... Uh, is, uh, is is a lot bigger than what people think. We have Mark Trumbull, who is considered a first baseman now with his defense deflenishing. We have Edwin Encarnacion, who's out there. Uh, we also have um, Chris Carter, who hit 42 home runs last year. He was just released by the Brewers as uh, they did not offer him a qualifying offer of $3.5 million, which I would take for a guy who's going to hit 41 home runs. I don't care if you strike out the most amount of times in the National League. 3.5 million for thir- for 42 home runs leading the National League in home runs is a pretty good bargain if you ask me. No, it really is. And just touching on Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Bautista, I think they've kind of screwed themselves over oh, now. Yeah. And uh, Edwin Encarnacion had an offer on the table from the Toronto Blue Jays. It was not the term that he was looking for, so he turned it down. And, you know, I, I really don't think that was But does was he a... really expect to get over four four years, Mike? Does I he think really he ex- did. Well, he, he, he shouldn't. He's 34. Going in, after the four years are done, you'll be 38. Your career is over. He just had a career year and one of the best years offensively in a long time. So he's going to go out and ask for a lot of money because that's what his agent's job is to do. He's going to go out, ask for term and ask for money and see if he can capitalize on the great season that he just had. He's unable to do that because teams, general managers, are smarter than that. They know not to buy into a guy. They're going to wait it out. And, yeah, exactly. They know to wait it out, and they know not to buy into a guy that's 39 years old at the end of the contract that he wants. It's no. not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. And Carnacion knows that, but he was trying to test the market to see if it could work. And I really think he's shot himself in the foot here. Well, he how- could end up back in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform. For a one-year, maybe. For a one-year like deal. did last year. But that's not what he wants because next year he's going to be a year older and he's going to get less money and he's going to get less term. So a one-year deal is exactly what Encarnacion does not want right now. And Bautista, no one's really plugging on Bautista right now. No National League teams know that they can't take him. He's an American League guy. So is Edwin Encarnacion. I was watching MLB Network the other day, and they were talking about a really good fit for Encarnacion being the Cardinals, but he's never played uh, played 75 or more games at first base in a season in the last five years. He's been a DH, so he can't go to a National League team that in the National League you know, are lacking first basemans, Mike. Yeah, but you know what? I think Edwin is an underrated first baseman. I, I really don't think he's that bad of a defensive first baseman. As a former third baseman. baseman, shortstop, left fielder exactly. in, in, the, in the minor leagues. I think he is a very capable first baseman, and I think he could play, if he's physically capable of doing it, he could play first base for an entire season. I really think he can be a starting first baseman in the MLB. The question is, does he have the physical the physical ability to do it? Is it, he in good enough physical shape? Because a lot weird. of those DHs from the, the American League can't go over and do that because they would have to completely change their physique and, and, and their style of training. It, it's weird you talk about that, Mike, and Edwin Encarnacion and not being able to play uh, you know, first base for a long time. 
period of time in the National League. Well, it's weird because all the teams are looking for left-handed power bat first basements, not that right-handed power bat. They want their right-handed bat to be a second baseman, a shortstop, a third baseman, because you have to be right-handed in order to play the infield. And when you're a first baseman, you can afford to be left-handed. So teams are looking for that left-handed first baseman in a market where there is a lot more left-handed first basements than right-handed first basements. So teams aren't necessarily looking for that right-handed first baseman like Incarnacion. Oh, and, and and that's what it is, right? And and you know what, Encarnacion. And less money. But this is the thing with Encarnacion, right? He shot himself in the foot. Your agent has to look at the market, and you have to under. You're paying somebody to understand this, are yeah. you not? Right? Are are you not? Encarnacion just needs to lay back and let the agent do the talking. Yeah, and, well, that's that, of course, right? But but what I'm saying is. As a agent, you have to know the market and you have to tell your player, okay, this is the market, this is what we go out, and this is what we ask for. And in asking for so much, I think that Encarnacion's agent has has demonstrated his inability to understand mm-hmm. the market, and as a result, his client is now in the gutter. He does he's not gonna get the deal that he wants. His agent failed. Same with Jose. Exactly. But Bautista is not going to get. And and look at it this way: Ian Desmond got signed by the Rockies, a center fielder last year, to play first base. It, it seems like nowadays, especially in this offseason, the way that the market has, goed, well, has yeah, gone, has gone. Teams are just saying, you know what? We'll just throw an extra man at first base, an athletic guy like uh, Hanley Ramirez last year. Now Ian Desmond. Yeah, because it's so easy to play first base. I don't know about that. I don't know if it's the easiest position to play. A lot of you need to be a good first baseman. You got to pick. No, it. you got it. Yeah, you don't. You, you, there, there's certain aspects. And Incarnacion can pick it. There's ab, there's certain aspects of the game that you need to have when you're playing first base. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to adjust to another position, first base is one of the easiest ones to do on the diamond. And speaking of the J. Steve Pierce, isn't that first baseman? He's not. Mm-hmm. He's he's he hasn't played. His first base is not the position that he's played the most in his career. It's left field. Yep. So the Jays could easily throw him in left field. He's a guy that's yeah, and they has need played somebody every for, position. And they need somebody for left field because, let's face it, Michael Saunders, if he plays the way he did in the second half of the year. But he's not. He's his knees are done. He's yeah. not fast. He's not running anymore. Yeah, and he hit one whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, like a, you, you can't hit Still a buck. the season 270. You can't hit a buck something for half the season. You really can't do it at what the was major it, league level. 313 the first half? And then it was under 200 in the second half. I'm I'm fairly confident, although I probably should check on that before I state it on the radio. But it doesn't. Hey. <laughs> um, but just that we're speaking. Just to wrap up this segment. Uh, speaking of the AL East, Boston Red Sox made a really big move at the winter le- winter meetings, acquiring Chris Sale from the Chicago White Sox in exchange for their number one prospect in all of baseball. That was Jan Moncada and also a couple other pitching prospects going the other way that could. Uh, develop into something good. Ronaldo Lopez, also another guy uh, going over to the uh, Chicago White Sox, who are really blowing things up right now. But how tough does this AL East look to you right now, now that the Jays are going to have to deal with this Red Sox team that have three capable pitchers of winning every single night? Price, Porcello, and now... As as we just talked about, Chris Sale. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Dante. It's it, it's a real tough division. The Red Sox understand that. They see the offense of the Blue Jays. They see the offense of the Baltimore Orioles, and they understand that they need to combat that with something. And they've done it with the pitching. They have the offense. The Red Sox were one of the best hitting teams in the MLB last year. Now they have the rotation to back it up. I think this is the best team in baseball. Now that wow. it, on paper, I think if you look at it and you look at what they did by adding Chris Sale, what the rotation looks like, and then if you add their offense and their offense is as productive as it was last year, 
I really don't think there's many teams that'll be able to beat the Red Sox in 2017. I don't think it was. I think it was a it was a stretch and it was a shock to see them lose to Cleveland in the divisional series last time around. A 3-0 sweep. Yeah, from from the Indians, which I really thought. Showed, yeah, I really thought the Red Sox were gonna were, were gonna wreak havoc in the playoffs. I, I thought they were a team built for that. And with big poppies last season, exactly. You would think. And and it's funny that there hasn't been a lot of rumors around or uh, around Incarnacion. It seems like not not a lot of teams since the winter meetings in the last week haven't really bid on on Incarnacion's bait. No one's yeah, going for him because the market's dead. Yeah, there is no market it's for all Edwin it's Incarnacion. All right now. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. That's but but but, but it's but it's so stupid with this stupid ass like freaking <laughs> saver metric stats. It's <laughs> pissing me off that guys are going. You got Brian Kenny from MLB Network and, and all these guys. I respect those guys a lot. They've been around the game for a long time. Bob Costas and the rest and Matt Vasquez. Did you read Brian Kenny's book? I have not read the book yet, but I'm just going to say this, that I respect those guys a lot, but I'm an old school guy, and I'm not— Oh, come on! Get Mikey, come on. Listen, <laughs> let me let me get my, get my point across. Okay, go ahead. Listen, the, these these teams are looking at cybermetric stats and your OBP and your wins above replacement, and they're, and they're, and they're doubting a guy like Mark Trumbull. Mark Trumbull, 47 home runs last season. Are you freaking kidding me? Why not pay for a guy that like, hit 47 home runs— you put him in the middle of your lineup. I don't care if you put him in left field or first base. The guy has an arm, although he's not the best defender, and he made a lot of errors last season and was not a plus defender. 47 home runs, 100-plus RBIs. You pay money for that, Mike. You pay money for that. I don't care what the cybermetric stats are. The market's pissing me off. Now, look, okay? Th- I'll tell you. <laughs> look, um, you, when, you, when you build your team, Dante, okay, you need to have players that will win you ball games. Look, Mark Trumbo could win you a ball game, yes, but he, he can, can also with a home run. Yeah, and he could also hit that home run and then make three errors so how can and you you're screwed. These guys? And you're okay, but you can look, okay? Jesus. You can look at you can look at offensive play and then if you're going to put them in the field and they suck, you're going to lose games. They're going to cost you ball games. It's 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 happened over and over again with if the Mark Trumbo look at the gets Toronto another one Blue year Jays, deal? for example, okay? Oh. Now this isn't look, okay? Before you say anything, I'm not making any kind of comparison here. This is a completely different thing. But Chris Colabello, okay? Yeah. Let's look at Chris Colabello. I'm not trying to compare him to Mark Trumbo. Okay. You can't compare you him. You can't. But speaking of that, he actually just signed with the Indians, minor he's, league. He's a guy that hit over 300, okay? He hit home runs, he was a productive player, and he was a Can-Am League level defender. He really was, and that's why he didn't stick. That's why he would stick for the first half of the game left. and Justin Smoke would come in and finish a game off. Yeah. They platoon him, right? Because that's the way that it works. Like you do, you do these kinds of things because you need a team that can win ball games in the end of it, right? Yeah. So you can sign Mark Trumbo, but if you have Trumbo, if you have a Trumbo-like player, I should say, and you look at this free agent market and you look at a guy like Mark Trumbo who has a bad, like you said, his sabermetric stats aren't great. Are you going to build a team entirely of guys that can't win games or at least have bad WAR? Yeah. You know, like I'm you have like to Christopher Russo, Jesus Christ. You ha- you have to you have to balance it out, you know what I mean? Like you can't just sign a bunch of guys and, and completely ignore one end of the game. You can't do it. No, you've got right. you've got to put it all you got to put it all together and make a roster based on everything. Make a well-rounded roster. 
I don't know. Like right about it, that for it, sure. Look, like I I don't know. It's just it, you, you can have a, a power hitting team of guys that hit home runs, and then they're too unathletic to make any defensive plays, and you're gonna lose games. You're gonna make 15 errors. We're you know seeing I mean? we're like, seeing a know. new it's, we're seeing a new era of, of players yeah. coming to this. Just athletic guys that anyway. can play any position. But uh, that's gonna wrap up this first segment. Coming up. Next. Josh Donaldson, the catcher, apparently. Like it's Josh, he was a catcher. I know. Um, Go figure. Look at the way he's built. Of course, you could look at the way he was built in high school, and you'd know why he was a catcher. But I digress. You exactly. can go ahead and finish it off. So we're going to wrap up this segment. Coming up next, uh, we're still going to have Michael Nellis here in studio. But coming up, Hal Lanier from the Ottawa Champions will join us to talk about coming back for another Can-Am League season. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Memphis Redbirds manager Stubby Clapp, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Dante DiCaria on CKDJ 107.9. We welcome you back to episode 40 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Alongside me is my co-host, Michael Nellist. Our guest for this segment is Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier, who has now announced that he will be coming back for another season of baseball here in Ottawa. Hal, welcome back and welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. So, so how what what have you been up to this off season? Have you been you know going out and scouting some players, or have you you know relaxed a little bit and and kind of said you know let me take a little breather and spend some time with my family and then go back into baseball? What have you been up to? Well, since I returned home in September, I really relaxed for about uh, about a month and a half, and then I did a um, uh, a baseball camp down at Vero Beach at uh, Dodger Town, where the Dodgers used to train when they were in uh, Florida, and um, did it with um, Billy Horn, uh, Brooks Carey, some other Frontier League managers, and managers from the United Shore League. We had about 75 players um, at the tryout camp. Uh, a lot of young players. Um, nothing that. I could say, well, I really need to sign this 20-year-old kid right now. But, you know, again, um, it was good for them to, to, to come down. Uh, we were expecting a little bit more, but because of the hurricane that we had that hit right. Florida and uh, North Carolina, uh, Dominican Republic, we lost a lot of players because of that. I think we lost like 27 players because of the hurricane. Wow. But it was still a good camp. Um, they got we we had four teams down there, and 23 players got drafted. So, again, it was probably more so for uh, the Frontier League. Uh, about four players got drafted from there, and the United Shore League. Uh, one pitcher I think got signed um, for the Japan League. So, mm. you know, again. It was a good camp down there, and I'm really happy for the players that got signed. But other than that, uh, just been signing some players of our own. Um, after Christmas, uh, I will probably start uh, re-signing you know, a lot of the players that we want back from last year. Now, Hal, uh, in the first uh, in the first interview that you did after coming back. Uh, as the manager, or at least after the announcement that you were coming back. It was with TSN 1200, and uh, you said that the reason why you were coming back was because of the players and because of how good of a time you had last year as the champion's manager. Now, 
This year, obviously, there is a lot of turnover in independent baseball. You just said it. You'd like to get a lot of players back from last year. How many players from last year's team do you envision coming back to the team this year? Well, I really think that we're going to have a uh, not that big a turnover. I think mm-hmm. the biggest part will probably be uh, in the bullpen. Uh, we lost some players because of trades, a uh, player to be named later, Um so we lost some pitchers out of the bullpen. Um, some of them were probably going to go on, uh, do other things. But, again, um, you know, I just felt so close to the players this year and what they achieved and what they did for the organization, the city, myself, my coaching staff. I just felt that I could not abandon them. Um, mm-hmm. I was very happy, of course, you know, after you win a championship, which is very hard to do, uh, the way, especially the way that we did it this year. But uh, I just felt that I owed the players something to come back and be a part of the team again and also be a part of something that's going to be very exciting, I think, for the city, for the fans, for the organizations, is the 2017 All-Star Game. Ottawa Champions Manager Hal Lanier here with us on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Also managed the Astros in the mid-80s and uh, the Winnipeg Goldeyes uh, when he first got into independent baseball. Now, Hal, um, you mentioned, you know, having some problems with the bullpen, and that's probably going to be, your, you know, the toughest thing for you this offseason. How tough was it to give up, you know, Leighton Galbraith, Josh Blanco, and uh, and also Miles Moeller over the Quebec Capitals because those were so you know some three big arms for your bullpen uh, this season who could you know Galbraith could also move into the starting rotation so could Moeller so how tough is it to replace those guys and how tough was it to to give those guys up? Well, it was very tough to give them up. Uh, again, when we made the trade with Quebec to get uh, Derek Piles at the time, uh, I had to give them a player that. Uh, they wanted, <laughs> and <laughs> it, it just so happened that it was Moeller. Uh, again, uh, I think he did a fantastic job for us. I'd, I'd love to have him back. Uh, but, again, you know, when you try to improve your ball club, and I think we did with Derek for a while until he had to go away for the birth of his child, and then we got Chambers after that. Um, it, it's something that comes into play in independent baseball, a player to be named later. Uh, we, when we we got Chambers, um, we we got him from uh, the American Association, uh, the team and Gary, and they asked for the player to be named later was going to be late, and you know, it was tough to give up people that have been with you for two years, and again, uh, Blanco was the same way. Um, you know, when we when we got. Um, Made a trade with Sussex during the season. It didn't work out, but he wanted um, Blanco. And, you know, again, um, very tough to do. Uh, I think we gave up three quality arms, but, again, we got some people that ended up uh, doing really well for us uh, uh, this year, uh, carried us right into the championship, and, you know, uh, did, did a very good job throughout the season after we made the trades. And, again, it's going to be tough to replace those people. But uh, with Nick's help, Almani, uh, my player uh, personnel, and myself, uh, we're just going to have to see what's available uh, come spring training, get releases, 
and maybe make some other trades with other <clears throat> other teams and you know um, get some players from maybe other independent leagues also. Now, how a lot of people are unfamiliar with how the player to be named later process works because that's something that happens very often in independent baseball. When you're trading for a player to be named later, do you negotiate when that player will be given to the other team as well? Yes. Um, you know, with Quebec, with Pat Scalabrini, the manager, he said, you know, he just wanted to really find um, a good place for Derek to play. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek had a great year for all around. I mean, with Quebec, with us, then he appeared with Sussex at the end of the year, and he, he had a great job. But, you know, again, what took place, uh, you know, because of the birth of his child, he had to leave in August, and I, I just couldn't afford to be away uh, without a, a, a experienced player at that particular time for almost a month. And, and you know, again, Chambers just stepped right into the to the role and uh, really did a great job for us. But again, you know, you, it was with Pat that the player name to be named later would be at the end of the year. And it was the same, same thing with Gary, you know, um, uh, Greg Taggart, the manager there, he just wanted to find uh, chambers of a, a good place to play. And he thought that um, he would really fit in good with us. Give me a great scouting report on him and, Again, he, he really did fit in good with us. And, um, again, it's it just one of those things that happen in independent baseball, and other teams are doing yeah. it also. You know, Sussex lost their big first baseman right. um, to Sioux Falls for a player to be named later And you know when they made a trade for Austin last year. So, <clears throat> again, uh, you know, it hurts everybody in the whole league sometimes. And, and sometimes, as you mentioned, Hal, it's always good to, to win now when you make those types of trades, as we're talking with Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier here with us on Around the Diamond. And you, you mentioned Chambers a little bit, and you mentioned you know uh, releasing Derek Piles because you don't really get to find a guy like Adron Chambers every so often. This is a guy who's been to the World Series twice in 2011 and also against the Red Sox in 2013, has played in those big games, has you know pinch hit in Game Six of uh, of the NLCS, which was a big game. He got struck out by Kenley Jansen, the closer of the Dodgers, uh, just to throw that in there. But he's played in those good games. So how you don't really find a guy like Adron Chambers too often. So it almost worked out for for both teams in that sense because you guys won a championship, but you had to big up uh, give up a key bullpen piece. But also you may be able to, to sign Chambers back for next season. Well, I think he's going to be coming back. I think we're going to sign him in the near future. And again, he really added to our ball club. Uh, at the time, um, you know, when we first got him, I just wanted to keep an eye on him and see where he would fit into our lineup. Um, I had him hitting in the middle of the lineup for a while. And then all of a sudden, uh, we had a little meeting with the with the players. And uh, Albert Cartwright, our leadoff hitter, said that he would rather hit second. So... Chambers had always let off, I believe, um, you know, throughout independent baseball, I'm sure, and a lot of in the minor leagues. And he was a uh, typical leadoff hitter. He got some big base hits for us. He gets some base on base on balls. Very good outfielder. Uh, can steal a base every now and then. And again, it just added to our to our offense um, having uh, three guys at the top of the order, even four that could uh, get on base and steal. You know, Kenny Bryant was hitting fourth at the time. Boucher was hitting third. 
there's four guys that can seal a base for you and get some runs, uh, just manufacture some runs every now and then. But uh, again, I think Chambers did a great job for us. He was great on, you know, with the ball players. He was great in the clubhouse. So again, um, it's nice to be able to pick up a, an ex-major leaguer. Sometimes you don't, you don't ever get that opportunity. I've had some, you know, uh, a few major leaguers when I was in uh, Winnipeg, but again, um, they're very rare. That's going to wrap up this second segment of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. You're listening to episode 40 of Around the Diamond. Still more to come into the show as uh, Hal Lanier will join us in our third segment to talk more about uh, what players he plans on bringing back next season for the 2017 Can-Am League season with the Ottawa Champions. You're listening to episode 40 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Edwin Jackson, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to episode 40 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music still joining us for this third segment is Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier to talk about uh, what players he brings on bringing back this season. And uh, Michael Nellis will take it away after this. Having the experience of Adron Chambers is a big deal, and obviously that played a part in in your championship win. But another big part of that championship win uh, this past summer, Hal, was uh, the starting rotation for the champions, specifically uh, the top three guys, Austin Crispin and then Daniel Cordero and Jan Carlos Gill. Cordero and Gill have already been signed. It was already announced recently that those two players are going to be coming back and they are going to be coming back into the rotation. How important is it for you to get those guys locked up to have that rotation going into next year? Because if you have that, it's got to be a good sign for competing for a title again. Well, it, it sure does. And any time that you can lock up you know, your your top starting pitchers just that early, um, it, it makes it a little bit nicer for for me and the coaching staff to know that they're there. And again, that's how much we think of them. And this is really the first time that I've really signed this guy this early in 18 years of independent baseball. I usually wait till after Christmas, the first of the year, to start calling people. And I've already talked to a few of the players uh, that were with us this year that hasn't signed. I told them that, you know, I wanted to wait until after the new year to start calling and negotiating contracts and bringing them them back. But again, um, when you can uh, add two of two of your top starting pitchers and, you know, we're going to see what Gridsman's going to do. I'm trying still to get him with the organizations. Uh, I've had several teams call me about him before the winter meetings, and they're supposed to be calling me – this week sometime, but it didn't work out. It, you know, last week was the end of the uh, uh, winter meetings uh, for baseball. And, uh, again, I'm hopefully get him an opportunity to go somewhere. If not, hopefully you know, he'll want to come back and we can uh, reach an agreement. And, again, um, you know, you're looking at when you have good starting pitching, you're going to be pretty good uh, on the field because they give you an opportunity to win games. 
Now, you speak about starting pitching. Hal Lanier here with us on Around the Diamond, the Ottawa Champions manager, who will be coming back for at least one more season of baseball here in the, the nation's capital. And, Hal, you speak about pitching. Uh, you mentioned the bullpen a little bit earlier, and obviously when you talk about the rotation, you want to get those you know two frontline starters back or even an Austin Crisman if no organization does pick him up, and then you go from there. So what's your plan going into the offseason in terms of the bullpen? Do you want to sign a guy like Tyler Wilson? Is a guy like Andrew Cooper maybe coming back to the team? Because you've already lost three relievers. So you you mentioned you know bringing back some familiar faces, and Wilson probably must be one of them because he was a good closer for you guys last year, a 208 ERA, 60 strikeouts in 47 innings, which is very impressive for Tyler Wilson. So what's your mindset in the offseason to fix this bullpen? Well, again, I think Tyler was one of the best closers in the league. Um, his numbers, you know, justified me saying that. And again, we'd like to have him coming back. Uh, and I know I've talked to Tyler um, throughout the winter so far, and he wants to do what, and I want to do also, what's best for his career. Now, he's been in the league for a while now, and he's going to turn 27 years old. And again, I would love to have him back. Um, I, I think he wa- he wants to come back. If I can't get him into an organization, or maybe go to another independent league and have a better opportunity to get signed out out of that league, and we're putting it on hold right now. Uh, I'm waiting to hear from from Tyler really what he wants to do for next year and what is best for his career. Again, he has a lot of friends on the ball club, and I think that's going to play a big part in it also. Um, But he has to, you know, these players, they have to look out, you know, what's down the road for them. Um, You know, Tyler's had two good years for us. You know, in in 2015, when he got released by Sussex, we signed him uh, that particular day. He threw a bullpen on the side, and Billy and I liked what we saw. And he came into the our team uh, being the seventh and eighth inning guy uh, when we when we had Alan Durant as a closer the first year and uh, both of them did a fantastic job and Tyler stepped right in to where Alan left off when Alan uh, retired and again he he was one of the best uh, closers in our um, uh, in the league um, Coop the same way Cooper did a you know, fantastic job for us and I'm sure he's uh, we will re-sign him um, probably after the first of the year. And, again, it's going to be a big uh, job for myself and the coaching staff and Nick to find, you know, first of all, we we got to look at the classifications, and we need some rookies out of that bullpen, uh, especially maybe one left-hander as a rookie and, and maybe a right-hander as a rookie. So, Everything comes into it involving classification, yeah. who's available. But uh, I'm sure that you know, we're going to find some quality arms, uh, whether it's uh, from organizations or other independent leagues. We're talking to Hal Lanier, the manager of the Ottawa Champions, back for a third season at the helm of the former or the current, I guess, defending uh, Can-Am League champion, Ottawa Champions. And Hal, the 
corners of the infield is one thing that I wanted to touch on uh, just uh, quickly because those two positions were held by Cuban national uh, players, Donald Duarte and Alexander Maeda last year. The agreement, or at least the understanding from my end, was that it was kind of a one-year deal with those two guys. So uh, what's your plan for the corner infields, uh, or for the corners of the infield, I should say, uh, for this coming season? Well, we've already re-signed Kenny Bryant, and Kenny yeah. is a fabulous first baseman mm-hmm. and a very, very good defensive outfielder also. So we have some uh, ways to go. We have some options. Uh, if, if Kenny, you know, is the first baseman, then I'm very happy to have him there because he's done a great, great job um, when he was in Sussex. That's where he played most of the time. He played some outfield for them also, and Again, he's very valuable in our ball club. He led the team in home runs and RBIs. Uh, got some big base hits, of course. Uh, had a great uh, series against uh, New Jersey and a great series against uh, Rockland when we won the championship in, uh, in uh, Rockland. But, again, the third base situation, a lot of clubs have a problem there because I think it's very hard to find what you're really looking for defense and offensive-wise. Uh, at that position, everyone seems to be trying to find, you know, very talented third basemen. And uh, again, it's going to take a lot of hard work and um, a lot of foot footwork. And um, you know, hopefully, we can find that guy at third base. Uh, the two Cubans did a fantastic job for us. Uh, and I, I believe you're right. I think it was a one-year um, situation. Yeah. But um, they were a big part of the ball club. I really enjoyed both of them. They were always happy. They always played hard, and they helped us win a championship also, uh, both of them. Kyle Lanier joining us here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Now, just to finish things off, uh, you know, we talk about the team defensively and, and the lineup itself and, uh, and and turnover, as you talked about at the beginning of the show, and classification as well. And Mike, Michael Masterberti, I believe, coming into next season will be a rookie. So I guess it's got to be a goal for you guys to to lock him up because he will be considered a rookie. Is that right? Well, he will be. He, you know, again, when he came in, he did a he did a good job for it. Uh, at that time, uh, there were some people that had some injuries, Vic, Hartwright. And he spelled everybody. Uh, he went into the outfield, never played the outfield before, <laughs> and uh, did a very good job for us. So having a rookie like that, uh, pretty valuable in the ball club. Also, you know, our catching situ- situation, Danny Ryer is going to be a rookie again um, because the first year he didn't have enough at-bats. He only had, I think, 58 <laughs> at-bats. And uh, that uh, – wow. The rule is if you have 75 at-bats, um, then you're going to change classifications. But uh, he's going to be a rookie again this year. So that's a big plus for us, too. Yeah. A blessing in disguise, if you could say that, Hal. And you're a guy with three years of experience, if you could say that, and he's still considered a rookie. Well, Danny did. You know, I, I, people look at it and say, well, he hit under 200. But you look at the home runs that he hit. Yep. I mean, every one of them was almost a walk-off or put us ahead in the game. Um, so I was really happy with the way that he swung the bat this year. Again, you'd like to see him hit a little bit more, and I think he's, he's capable of doing that. But the pitchers love throwing to him. I mean, that's uh, uh, something that you can't teach. 
And I thought I was going to wear him out <laughs> throughout the season because all the pitchers really wanted to throw to him, and I just couldn't, I couldn't catch him uh, uh, a day game after a night game, like on a Saturday night and a Sunday day game. And I just said, boys, you're just going to have to do the best you can out there. But uh, he, he's very valuable to our ball club also. Yeah, how it seemed like Danny Grower had that chemistry with the, the whole pitching staff. And even from talking to, you know, uh, Daniel Cordero, Austin Crisman, you know, two guys that I had uh, spent a lot of time with throughout the summer. Uh, they always said that they love catching a Grower because he was, you know, whenever he put down, that's what they were going to throw, and they had good communication. So it's got to be nice to bring back a, a rookie like Danny Grower who should be, you know, uh, swinging the back uh, bat a little bit better. But just before we go, I just wanted to ask you uh, one more question: Is what about the backup catching situation? Are you planning on getting a veteran behind Grower just to give give him a little bit of time off? As you talked about before, that it was kind of tough putting putting him out there on a Saturday and on a Sunday. So, what's your plan on that course? I plan on trying to find a little bit more experience behind Danny. Sure. Whether it's a, you know, I don't think it'll be a veteran veteran situation because um, I don't I don't think you're going to find that type of guy. And a veteran would not want to be a backup, that's for sure. Yeah. And unless somebody becomes really you know, available that we can't turn down, you know, right now it's Danny's job uh, to be the starting catcher again. But you also have to look at classifications. Uh, you know, some players changed classifications this year, as we talked about before. Uh, Cartwright became a veteran. Uh, so we have three veterans already signed on our ball club. And you're only allowed four, so that that last veteran slot better be a significant part of the ball club, and a very valuable part of the ball club because uh, you know the veteran situation they have to hold you know their own, and we have uh, three good ones right now in Boucher and Chambers and Cartwright. So that fourth one uh, we hope uh, is going to really add something to our ball club when we if and if and when we find them. Well, there you have it. Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier, who will be coming back for a third season of uh, baseball here with the Ottawa Champions. And, uh, hey, uh, how many seasons has this been now you've been managing? How many seasons is it? Well, in independent baseball, it'll be 19 years this coming year. So there... This was my 18th year this summer, so I still enjoyed. I mean, it's in my blood. I had a fantastic job, like I said before, um, in other interviews that I really uh, – Enjoyed this season. Uh, the communications with the with the players and my coaching staff. We just had a fun year, and that's what it's all about. You know, winning a championship. Uh, you know, coming back, it's going to be very hard. Everyone's going to be after us, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, we can uh, put that puzzle again together, and you know, be right there again this year or, or in 2017. Well, there you have it. We look forward to touching base with you again. Uh, maybe after Christmas when you do lock down some of these players and, and sign some new ones. Hal Lanier, thanks for taking the time, and uh, best of luck in the offseason with uh, you know getting some uh, good players on this Ottawa Champions team. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure uh, talking to both of you. Merry Christmas, Hal. Same to you. Take and care. Take care. Thanks. That was Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier joining us here on Around the Diamond. And guess what, folks? He's going to be coming back for another season of baseball here in Ottawa, which is a great sign because he was such a big part of this Ottawa Champions team, a championship team in 2016, winning the Can-Am League championship, uh, beating the Rockland Boulders 
uh, in the fifth game of that series, uh, a best-of-five series, so the champions had to come back and win it, and uh, he has a huge part of that, a Can-Am League uh, Manager of the Year award, and he's going to give it one more kick at the can, uh, if you could say it that way, because he's been a lo- around for a long time, as he mentioned, 19 years of independent baseball uh, in managing. But uh, coming up next, we're going to talk with a 40-year-old rookie. Brian Hoover will join us all the way from Georgia to talk about his career and trying to move up in some leagues. That's all coming up next on Around the Diamond, episode 40 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey guys, shortstop Junior Rojo with the Rockin' Boulders. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to episode 40 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Alongside to my right is my co-host, Michael Nellis. Before, we were talking with Ottawa Champions manager, Hal Lanier. Now we're joined over the phone with 40-year-old rookie, Brian Hoover. Brian made his professional baseball appearance in 2015, playing with the Road City Explorers in the Empire League. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thank you guys so much. I'm uh, glad to be a part of it. Hey, no problem. Always nice to, to, to talk with you. Of course, we, we know about your story, so we're almost uh, kind of putting that story out there a little bit here in uh, north of the border in Ottawa. Um, so how's, how's the offseason been for you this summer? Have you, or sorry, this winter? Have you been able to go out to any winter leagues or what, what have you been doing in the winter so far? Yeah, so this year um, I did not do any winter leagues in the fall. Just we had some family stuff that I had to be home for. But um, I'm planning to actually head out to Arizona in February. Um, and I'll actually be with uh, Ottawa's pitching coach out there, uh, Billy Horn. Yep. So uh, got to know Billy a little bit and uh, love the guy. Great guy. Yeah, Billy is uh, a really great guy. And uh, we're going to maybe talk a little bit more about that after. But I just I want to give listeners um, a little intel into what you've done. And, and you had your first appearance in professional baseball in, in 2015. That was at the age of 38. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I guess the obvious question, and I'm sure one that you've gotten time and time again, is how do you do it at the age of 39 and 40? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And um, it seems like every conversation I have, when that comes up, it's almost like the interest shifts, like, oh, and it's like, no, don't say that. You know, I, it's um, <laughs> it's one of those things to where, like, I, you know, I shelved it, and um, you know, I had a heart for some other things, and I shelved it when I was 19. And uh, before that, that's, that's all I did was baseball, and um, and I loved the game. Didn't you know know if I'd do anything with it? Um, one thing led to another. My dad was dealing with some health issues um, over the last five six years, and so. Um, when I turned 37, I, I was like, you know what? I, I think I should pay attention to my health a little more and I, so I don't end up somewhere, you know, an accident one day and, you know, still having a love for the game, playing just for a hobby once a week um, here and there. But I never really pushed my abilities. And uh, I started getting in shape and I started focusing. I said, you know what? If I'm going to have to sacrifice, and, you know, putting a little work here and there, I might as well go all out and just, just see – what I, you know, what's the best shape I can get in. And then I'm like, well, if I'm in decent shape, I wonder how well I could play the game again. So I didn't know, honestly. It's one of those things every, every so often you hear, you know, somebody who's at older age getting in, you know, the best shape of their life. And you're like, I wonder what that's like. 
And I didn't know. And I, all I knew is it required um, action just one day at a time and um, do what I can do today to help me get where I need to, to get and just see what my body would be able to do. So, um, so I, I, I started, and I, you know, I would say to people, you know, you got to love it because not every day you go out and put in the work, you know, is it fun? Um, but you know, the results of getting better day by day, um, that's what makes it fun. And so I just had to do that. I remember going out after I put my kids down to bed in the middle of the winter, you know, two winters ago and just running sprints in my street because I had to, um, there's no way to get faster unless you could put the work in and uh, I had to stay consistent with it. You know, so one thing led to another, you know, when I quit playing back in 96, we didn't have social media, you know, online um, videos and trainings and stuff like that didn't exist. You had to go buy a DVD if you wanted to get trained um, or go see somebody. And just with all the technology and information now, there's uh, there's so much that's been kind of dissected with the game that, you know, I had to relearn things, and but I was hungry for it too. And so really just, you know, taking one step at a time, trying to give my best and just see, you know, what, what would happen. Uh, fortunately, I've never had any major injuries. And so, um, you know, I just, I just had to, to get out there and, and do it and see how my body would, would react. I didn't know if I could become an athlete again. And, uh, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty neat and pretty amazing to see that, you know, with time and effort, um, and being consistent, you know, that, that I won't say you can, <laughs> you can stop the aging process, but, um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, so old to where I can't get stronger to where I can't get faster because I, I ended up finding out, you know what I can. And I got back to my college speed and, um, and my arm, you know, I got it to its strongest point ever. And, uh, in the gym, as I'm, you know, spending the off season now, just really focused on hitting the gym, you know, I'm at my strongest and, um, you know, uh, and, and I feel great. Um, but I just didn't know. And, and until you go push yourself, you know, a lot of times we, we tell our minds that we're just, we're old. Well, the reason I don't have the energy is because I'm old, but really it's probably because we stopped doing stuff. Um, and, and, you know, in life and families and all those things, you know, a lot of times keep us from doing things. So, you know, that is kind of a normal thing, but if we stay active, uh, you know, we can do more than we think we can. So anyway, um, with all that said, yeah, I got a chance to play in 2015, um, at the tail end of the season, I got a chance to play about 20 games. I think I had 60 some at bats, ended up hitting around 270. And, uh, so I didn't, I didn't cross over, you know, breaking the, the rookie season with a total number of at bats. But I uh, got a chance to play every day once we had um, a teammate called up to uh, the York Revolution. It opened up an infield spot, and, um, and my manager, you know, felt like I was uh, the guy to, to fill that spot. He gave me a shot and ended up playing third base every day uh, throughout the end of the season. And I um, was, you know, really thankful for it and just wanted to keep pushing myself and growing to see, you know, how, you know, how, how much better I could get. And, you know, I still don't really feel tapped out. I would say the biggest difference from being 19 to now being almost I'll, I'll be 40 in May. So this will be my, my season where I hit 40. And if I, you know, get a chance to play up, you know, I'll be a rookie in a, in a new league, but it's just, um, it's just staying loose really 
that's the biggest thing just staying loose um probably the biggest difference but everything else once i get out there and i get going man i feel great and i love it so i think that's the biggest thing and uh but you know you just you have to play smarter just as much as you do harder so that's kind of where i'm at with that now, Brian, I don't want to make you feel old here, okay? But you said that you stopped playing baseball in 1996. So I was born in 1996, and Dante was born in 1997. Awesome. So <laughs> just to, to put that's, things into perspective. Great. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, no, um, I, I just thought I'd throw that in. Um, but, yeah, no, um, I, one of the things I found interesting, I actually wasn't aware that you played third base, and that's that's really not an easy position to play uh, if you're going to play in the infield. Uh, how how do you um, like? How much adjustment did that uh, uh, did that acquire or require for you? And was that the position that you played when you were younger? Right. Um, actually, uh, no. Um, I didn't play it a lot when I was younger. I, uh, okay. I was middle infielder, played shortstop. I actually, tried out for most teams in, at short and at in the outfield. And um, basically, the guy who got moved up was playing third. And that's where we had a, a void. So um, having having a strong arm, um, you know, coach felt like I could cover that position. I think, the, you know, the biggest adjustment is where at short, you know, you're going to get a few more hops and a little more time side to side. At, at third, it's, it's basically one step mm-hmm. dive or, you know, you're going to get typically one, maybe two hops and everything is just quicker. It's just reaction. There's not a lot of um, – you know, left to right other than one step and dive. But I will say, <laughs> it's going to sound crazy. One thing that uh, I did play third <laughs> prior to coming back was like church league softball. I know that sounds crazy. But in church league <laughs> softball, nobody wants to play third base because the ball is just hanging in the air and everybody's just rearing back and they just, you know, spank it right down third base. And, uh, you know, right. softball come off the bat pretty hard for that, that short distance you are. So I think that might have prepared me just a little bit, but <laughs> you just have to get in there, and it's one of those things like um, just seeing the bat come off or the ball come off the bat. You know, again, when you're playing, you know, a corner position, uh, it, it tends to have you know a slight curve to it as it's coming your way a lot of times, and um, you know, you just it's uh, it's just a reaction and a feel for it. So I guess the best you know the best thing is just taking taking ground balls and, and, and seeing it, you know, over and over and just getting a, a feel for it. 40-year-old rookie uh, Brian Hoover here with us on Around the Diamond talking about his career and how he got into professional baseball. And I want to move back and ask you, how did you get into professional baseball? You talked a little bit about uh, making uh, the – or trying out for the Watertown Bucks at open trials. You eventually went over uh, to, I believe it was the – uh, Road City Explorers. So before that, what were you doing with your life? Did you, you know, of course you do have a family, a wife, and a couple kids there. So what was your your job outside of baseball before you decided to, you know, try to pursue your dream and play professional baseball? What were you doing before? Right. So I, I've done a few different things, but mostly the reason I stepped away from baseball and what I had a heart and passion for was um, just like ministry and community work, and and I don't know. I wanted. I had a desire to, you know to help people. And I wanted my life to impact others. And so I just felt like that's what God was kind of leading me to do. And at the time, I wouldn't say now I feel necessarily the same way, but at the time I just couldn't connect to, 
oh, I felt like baseball was baseball and I couldn't connect. I don't know. I just couldn't connect the two at the time. And, um, so over the years I've, uh, you know, I've done music and, um, served in different capacities and in churches. Um, also, you know, um, on the side did some real estate appraising and, uh, some odds and end jobs here and there, but, um, but mostly just, uh, yeah, ministry stuff. Um, and just, I love it, you know, um, I just feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, I missed out on it as a kid. Um, just, just, you know, I don't know, man, just finding our calling and our purpose and trying to figure out, you know, um, how we can impact really the world, you know, our world is big or small, you know, a stage that we get, but, um, that's, that's what I've been doing. And, um, it was really interesting. Like I said, you know, it's wanting to get in shape and then where I was at in life <laughs> and then, uh, you know, trying to, to go play this game. God just kind of gave me that passion back. And at one point he, he challenged me to just lay it down. So when it started to come back, you know, it's something I had to work through, like, I just want to make sure this is right. Cause I'm the type of guy, like when I decide this is what I'm going to do, like I'm all in or I can't do it, you know? And that's just, uh, that's where I was at. And so I just felt peace about it. And, you know, I just, I gave it everything I had and continuing to do that. So, but that's what I did before the game. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Brian Hoover, the 40-year-old rookie, will still be with us on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Stay tuned for that because he's going to talk about uh, what his family did in terms of his career and giving him... You know, that push to make him keep pursuing professional baseball. And he looks to uh, to get a job in a higher league other than the Empire League. We might even see him in uh, the Can-Am League next season, uh, which might be a, a treat uh, to see Brian Hoover in maybe the United Shores League or the Can-Am League. He's still going to stick with us going into our final segment on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. boy Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. You listen around the diamond with my boy Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Brian Hoover here, here with us on Around the Diamond made his appearance in 2015 at the age of 38. Now going to into his age 40 season as a professional baseball player. He's talking about his career on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Along uh, to my right is Michael Nellis, my co-host. I am your host Diamond Dante. Now uh, Brian, you touched on it a little bit uh, about your family and, and you know pursuing, uh, pursuing a dream uh, in professional baseball. Now, one thing that I would obviously like for you to talk about and something that you probably want to talk about is how big your family's been for you, you know, being behind you this, the whole time and, and, you know, saying, you know what, Brian, go for it. You know, of course, your kids and your wife saying, go for it. Keep, keep trying to pursue professional baseball. Keep trying to play because it's obviously not easy. And everybody are not – what a lot of people don't know is that – the grind of a season is a lot of work, you know, having to train, having to be at the ballpark every day. And it must be tough for you being away from your family, but you're doing something you love and they've been behind you the whole step of way. So if you could, you know, tell us about that whole experience and how important your family has been for you on this journey. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it is, that's probably the hardest part is, um, you know, saying goodbye and having to be, to be gone. Um, they have been super supportive and, uh, you know, it's something new for all of us. So we had to, you know, make the adjustment and, um, you know, work through it, but they've been really, really supportive and not everybody around us, you know, has been because, you know, in this game, like you said, it's a grind and 
it's kind of like being an Olympic or an aspiring Olympic athlete. You know, once you've made it to the Olympics, you get sponsors. But as you're aspiring and you're training and you're, you know, a no name and nobody knows who you are, it's like you have to go to work with no guarantee that anything will ever come of it. And you have to do it because you love it. And so that's kind of how minor league baseball is. Like you've got to go work hard and there's not a lot of financial, you know, backing or support with it. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out that, that dynamic too. And, um, my wife's been, you know, super supportive. And, uh, so that's, uh, um, a great thing, but you know, my heart, you know, my heart's desire is that, you know, I can get to a point where, you know, I can have them with me during the season, you know, wherever, wherever home is for that season, I can have them with me. And, uh, that's, that's, it is really tough. Cause I have, uh, I have three little girls <laughs> and, um, it's it's no doubt the the hardest part. So, um, but it's huge at the same time. I mean, there's no way I could have ever done it without my wife saying, you know what, you do have a gift to play this game. A lot of people have said it, and I always wanted you to play. So you know, go give it your best. And trying to figure out how long that looks like. You know, how long do you how long do you keep pushing it and uh, and all those things? Because um, I don't want to be away from my my kids every summer, all summer in a place where I can't afford to have them with me. So, um, that's, that's a hard thing. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Now, Brian, uh, you mentioned just before that, uh, you're going to be, um, you're going to be playing with a new team next year. Are you, uh, in a position where you can say what that team is and where you're going to be playing? Um, actually, yeah. Well, as of right now, um, indie ball. So indie ball is, uh, I don't have anything locked in. But it's one of those things where um, you know it's year to year. So yeah. the the hope and the desire is, is I'm I'm uh, I'm going I'm going after signing with the team. Really, um, my heart and desire is to you know get on a team in a higher league and um, you know move forward just like anybody um, all all of us want to do. But that's that's the hope and desire. But um, no, I do not have a team yet that I've signed with. So um, it's still open right now. Okay. Now, the one thing that I wanted to ask you a little bit about, Brian, is obviously you're pushing 40. You said you're turning 40 in May. So, um, you know, you're still playing in the Empire League or you were playing in the Empire League last year. Uh, Remains to be seen if you'll be back there this year. But um, or or like in a different league, maybe the United Shores League or the Can-Am League. We'll see. But of course, um, one of the things that is constant with all those different independent leagues is um, you're riding a bus, you're going on the road. It's a long summer. You're playing almost every day. Uh, do you think you're approaching that differently now at the age that you're at now that you would if you were in, say, your early 20s? Um, yes. <laughs> um, you know, when you're, when I guess when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20, you, you don't always feel, um, I don't know, you feel invincible, I guess. So now... Just, just with the fact of knowing my age, I, I'm always uh, trying to be wise as to how how can I recover each day, you know, um, based on how how you know how rough the game was, depending on running, diving, and smashing into you know the, the second baseman, diving in, or just whatever, however you get beat up, trying to figure out you know your daily prep with you know 
how you're playing in the games and then recovery, you know, like you said, it's every day. It's not like, you know, work out in the gym, you work out, you got three or four days before you have to hit that same body part. Well, your legs got to go every day. So, you know, doing everything that I can as smart as I can to, to, to benefit and have my legs, you know, loose and ready to go. Um, as well as, you know, getting the rest and all those things. It's a, Baseball is um, it's very it's very tough. There's so many layers, and it's every day. That's that's the thing. You know, you probably get a day off every nine or ten days. So that's uh, so yes, I'm thinking about it. Well, there you have a it. A lot so, more than I would at 19. <laughs> exactly, uh, and and it's funny that you're talking. We're talking to a to a 40 year old baseball player, and I'm still, uh, you know, just having fun with baseball. Uh, at the end of the day, as well as Mike broadcasting the games, and it's kind of it's kind of weird uh, to to talk to you in that way because we're both 19 years old, and you are or 19 and 20, and you're uh, as you mentioned 39, 40 years old, and you're just starting to get into your career uh, at a very you know older age. And Mike and I are starting to get into our careers in terms of baseball at a very young age. But some very inspiring words, Brian, and. Uh, uh, we're running a little short on time, so we're going to wrap things up. Thanks, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to us this afternoon, and uh, we look forward to maybe seeing you uh, in a, another independent league this summer. And uh, best of luck in the uh, in the uh, Arizona Fall League. Is that, that's where you're going to, right? Yes, the Arizona Winter League, actually. And yeah. Arizona Winter League. So uh, best of luck the rest of the way, and it was nice talking to you today. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. That was 40-year-old rookie Brian Hoover joining us here on Around the Diamond. A great talk with him. 40 years old. Can you believe it? 40 years old. He's got three daughters, a wife, still pursuing his dream for professional baseball. Yep. If you look online at his website, he's got a, his own website. His story is all written out. He has references from uh, uh, the face of the Ottawa champions, Billy Horn. The face? From last season. Oh, my God. Billy Horn, a, a reference. <laughs> he said that uh, uh, Brian Hoover is a switch hitter and also... Uh, has a lot of versatility, can play any position on the diamond. No, and you know what? Billy, he's a, he's a great guy, a great talker, and he knows baseball really, really well. So uh, if you can get an endorsement from Billy Horn, uh, you've done something right, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, we've just about run out of time here uh, here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Thanks you so much for listening to the show. Mike, thanks for joining me on the 40th episode of Around the Diamond. It's great to be back. It's been 40 episodes. I've recorded my first ever episode with Hal Lanier on March 5th, and you were here on that Sunday afternoon, and it was uh, a real pleasure to start off. And I listened to that show later on, later this week, or earlier this week, I should say, and uh, I noticed uh, a huge difference uh, in the show, the way it's structured and stuff like that. It was weird. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at uh, a huge difference. That's a good way. In, uh, huge difference. A, a nice way to describe it, Dante. Uh, one thing I want to mention, <laughs> next week, uh, we will not have a show on CKDJ 107.9 because it's going to go to Boo. Christmas programming. Boo. Here on uh, here on uh, on uh, CKDJ 107.9, but there's still going to be a podcast late uh, next week. Art Charles from the Milwaukee Brewers will join us, and Ottawa Champions closer from last season, Tyler Wilson, will join us. We thank you so much for listening to episode 40 of Around the Diamond. We'll see you next week. <laughs>